All right, hello and welcome to the Basic Bible Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Thompson. It's great to be back with you. But uh, you might notice things might sound a little different today. I'm outside of the studio. I've been kicked out. And uh, my microphone is being hostage by several high schoolers who are uh, performing in a play tonight. Uh, So I've been kicked out of the classroom. But I'm here at the house. And so if you hear a little extra background noise, you're going to hear my kids who should be asleep in bed but probably aren't yet. And uh, you'll hear my wife a little bit, perhaps. But uh, we're still going to go through this. I, I think it's going to be a great program. And we have a guest I've been really excited to have on the podcast. And uh, that is R.C. Sproul, Jr. R.C., welcome to uh, the Basic Bible Podcast. Well, thank you, Kevin. It's a pleasure to be with you. And I'm excited about the, the book that you've written. We're going to be talking about um, your latest book, Growing Up with R.C. Can you kind of give us just a little bit of a, a summary of, of what the book is about? Uh, you know, it's funny how uh, my clever title, uh, people just skip right over. <laughs> if, you look, if you actually see the, the cover, that word with is in uh, parentheses, because I am both, uh, it's both an account of me growing up as R.C., as well as an account of me growing up with R.C., the, the, the gist of the book, the bulk of the book. Uh, is a series of chapters that tell uh, the story of particular uh, times in my life where my father uh, spoke particular bits of wisdom into my life. So each one uh, sort of tells the story, sets the stage for hmm. the context in which my father spoke into my life and then gives what, what wisdom he spoke to me and, and then the lessons that I learned from that. And so... Uh, that's kind of the, the mechanism, but I would also say that you know, my goal and my desire was uh, essentially twofold. One, I, I wanted to show people uh, who knew my father as uh, a great teacher and a great communicator, I wanted them to see a little bit more of uh, who he was as a person. Hmm. Um, and that, by the way, is not a, a negative thing. I'm not this is not one of those uh, Frankie Schaefer deals. Yeah. Uh, it's all very much uh, honoring my father. But I also wanted to, 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 to communicate how real the gospel was to him and how it flowed out of him and into my life, how, how his wisdom was just steeped in the promises of God and the assurance of our forgiveness uh, how my father uh, you know, strived to uh, just, you know, raise me in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, the way that he uh, lived in light of all the wisdom that he knew. I mean, that's, again, that's one of the emphases in the book is, you know, I've been really afraid for, for decades now that, that a lot of the people who loved my father uh, probably fit pretty well into that. Uh, category that Paul warns about in First Corinthians, where he hmm. tells us that knowledge puffs up. You know, my dad was a very bright man, and he was a very good communicator. And, and people who maybe felt insecure about their theological knowledge could tune into my dad and, and learn a great deal, and and, and unfortunately end up uh, puffed up and really miss sort of the the the, the more visceral reality of the gospel. One of the ways that I typically describe it is that uh, 
you know, we're all perfectly comfortable affirming the doctrine of total depravity. Hmm. Uh, but that's a very different thing from acknowledging that I am a sinner. Right. You know, the, the, the doctrine of total depravity is an idea about humanity. I am a sinner is a confession of my moral failure. But those are very different things. And what I lived with, what I was blessed with, was a man who, who knew that sin was real, who knew that grace was real, forgiveness was real, and uh, not just ideas. This was a, a man whose life uh, exuded the theology that he taught, and I was, of course, deeply and profoundly blessed by that. Mm. Well, as you mentioned, you are a sinner, and you're not a stranger to controversy, so I want to jump right in here and kind of address the elephant in the room. Um, in the uh -huh. book, you mention uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers as the greatest football dynasty, and uh, we realize that the New England Patriots really have a, a lock on that title, so I thought I'd address that first. <laughs> well, you know, it is true, but Kevin, you, you know as well as I do that, you know, the progress of the kingdom is uh, progressive, <laughs> and that things get better and better, and so, but, you know, there's a sense in which, uh, for a time, you know, we're, we're still in the groaning stages of the creation. The devil still has a great deal of sway, but eventually Jesus will triumph fully and completely. And in that context, of course, the, the patriots will be brought low and cast into the lake of everlasting fire, and the Steelers will uh, be in their rightful place. Well, you know, I'm, I'm thinking this is more of like a post-millennial thing where we're ushering in the kingdom with uh, yeah, Tom Brady and everything. Yeah, but. All right, well, uh, let's, let's get back to the book. I, I had to just get that off off my chest before we covered anything wow. else. Um, <laughs> we are, and we are going to address some of the, the controversies and whatnot, but um, sure. let me ask you this. What is it? This is a book. It, it's, it's like a memoir. We're learning just as much about R.C. Sr. as we are about R.C. Jr. Um, what is something that you think people would be shocked or really greatly surprised to hear uh, about your dad? question. I, I suppose that most people would be surprised to know, although probably you wouldn't and a few others might not, but most people would be surprised to know that uh, my father would much, much rather be engaged in a conversation about the Pittsburgh Steelers hmm. than he would about John Calvin or even <laughs> Martin Luther. I mean, there, was, there were many, many times uh, when I would be out to dinner with uh, my mom, my dad, my sister, and, you know, I might have just come back from China where I was teaching in a seminary there, and, and my sister and my mom were grilling me with questions about what it was like to be in China for this week, and my father would be sitting, sort of drumming his fingers on the table, getting impatient, and, and you know, he'd let them get in one or two questions, and then he'd be like, okay, let's talk about the draft. And he'd want to know, you know, my assessment of what happened in Steelers in the draft or what was going to happen in the upcoming draft. That's what he loved to do more than anything else. And I enjoyed it with him as well, very much, of course. It's, it's an interesting thing. I, I, there was a time in my life when 
uh, things were not going as well as normal for the Steelers. And I would go, and I was living in Florida, so I didn't have the ability to watch them at home every week. And I would go and watch them uh, every week. And when they would lose, I would come home grumpy. And, and I just thought, this is really not not good for me. I, I'm, I'm working off you know, during the week. And on the weekend, I've gone for three hours. And I come home and I'm grumpy. Not good for the family. Well, uh, and then I just thought, you know, I, it's, it's time with my dad. And I really, really enjoy that yeah. time. He really enjoys that time. And uh, so I you know, got back in that habit and, and in God's grace, the Steelers improved as well. You know, I, listening to many of his messages, reading the book, I, I could tell he was obviously a golfer and a sports fan, but yes. um, I didn't realize uh, your dad had mus- muscles, uh, you know, flexing. I just, oh, yeah. That just doesn't seem to jive with my perception. Um, well, Kevin, you know, <laughs> a lot of guys, when they get older, they develop a little bit of a belly in that camp as well. <laughs> and when people look at you, they just can't imagine that once you were young, it's in good shape. Uh, and that was certainly the case. But even when my dad had a belly, because he was playing golf so much, he still was mm. uh, you know, had Popeye forearms and, and pretty impressive biceps as well. I mean, he used to, I, you know, I talked about that as a kid, put my fingers around his arm and squeezing and but even when he was, when I was an adult, he was an adult. He would, he would, you know, make his muscle, and he would say, "Did you ever know a theologian with arms like these?" <laughs> <laughs> you know, and some of the other things here in the book, and you mentioned, you know, golfing with with Alice Cooper. I had heard that, but I didn't realize he's mentioned in the liner notes of a Van Halen album, or he's he's quoted by Christopher Walken in a movie. I thought, that's wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of weird, I know, and and but it. It's fun. It's entertaining. He, he always uh, enjoyed that. You know, I, I didn't tell the whole story about uh, uh, Alice Cooper, but I, I was there for the beginning of it. You know, every year uh, in the uh, early to mid-90s, every year, like, you know, would host a conference uh, in San Diego, as well as one, of course, in Orlando, which yeah. still happens. But we used to go to San Diego every every year, and uh, I was out there, and, and a lot of staff were there, and the first thing that we would do when we would get into town would be to set up the bookstore, uh, wherever we were having our event, and we were there, and the bookstore had just been finished set up, the conference wasn't going to start for another hour or so, but there were a few people that were there very early, and, and they were walking through the bookstore, and all of a sudden I just noticed all of these staff people sort of whispering to each other, and and looking excited, and I knew there was something going on, and I tracked down one of those whispers, and they said, you know, you see that guy over there in the golf shirt? And I like, you mean the one in the ponytail? And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's Alice Cooper. <laughs> so he was attending the conference, and, uh, you know, we knew enough to basically, you know, give him the space and not, not uh, fuss at him too much. Well, after the conference was over, it happened in God's providence that my dad and uh, one of the staff members there uh, decided to go play some golf and ended up at the same course where Alice was, and they hooked up and uh, played a part of their round together and got to know each other, which is particularly interesting because uh, when Alice tells a part of and this is not in the book, I mm. maybe should have. This is exclusive material Alice, right here on the Basic Bible Podcast. Yes. <laughs> When Alice tells a part of his story, he mentions 
late, and he had on the TV, and on comes this infomercial for uh, golf instructional videos. Uh, this, this thing was created by a fellow by the name of Wally Armstrong, who used to be on the tour, and was a friend of my dad's. And in the infomercial, my dad is one of the guys being interviewed huh. about you know, being taught by Wally, and Alice is watching this late at night, and he calls in his wife, and she's like, he says, honey, honey, look, that, you see that guy right there? That's the guy in all the books your parents sent us. Oh. <laughs> because uh, her, you know, his wife's parents were Christians, and, and they thought that, that they might be interested in my dad's books, and, and getting that had part of the, part of uh, Vince's, or yeah, the real name is Vince Fernier, but Alice's uh, story, uh, so from the beginning, golf was involved. Well, <laughs> so uh, yeah. in, the, in the same chapter, you, you mentioned that you, um, you, you address, uh, this is my favorite chapter in the entire book, uh, Treasure Without a Map, and you address the issue of sin. And um, I, I mentioned earlier controversy surrounding you, and even today I had a co-worker I was talking um, with and he said, you know, I've got R.C. Sproul Jr. I'm interviewing him tonight. I'm so excited. He's like, well, do, do you know what happened? Do you do you know that? And, and so there's that that you know, uh, which you address right in the introduction of the book. Um, huh? But I, I wanted to ask you to elaborate because I, I think this is a a great chapter talking about the and you you alluded to this earlier that we all well not we all but in the free form camp we all subscribe to the idea of total depravity. Yet when it gets down to actually confessing and admitting, we are real sinners. We, we commit horrible sins. If we really believe the doctrine told depravity, um, nothing really should shock us um, right. except for the grace of God. And yeah, so I, I'm wondering, you know, could you talk a little bit about um, just how God has, has taught this to you uh, through this time? And, and maybe perhaps you've seen God's grace and God's mercy and God's forgiveness all the more clear uh, because of this, well, I'm happy to do so. You know, I, I was telling uh, someone else recently in a conversation that that one of the blessings of uh, spectacular sin, of public scandal, of of being visible enough that uh, you know when you when you commit your sins, they're covered by Christianity Today or World Magazine. Is it, it removes from you. Uh, the foolish temptation to to pretend mm. that you're better than you are, and you know we all have that temptation in large part because total depravity is true. You know we, right. we would rather have people uh, believe a falsehood about what we are and believe we're better than we are, and it just is plain foolish. The reality is, and I talked about this in the introductory chapter. I, I talked about how. You know, my response, it's been, you know, maybe some people don't know this who are listening in, but uh, my most recent spectacular sin was uh, two and a half years ago. I was uh, rightly and properly arrested for driving under the influence. And uh, it was real, and, and I was guilty, and it happened. And, uh, you know, it's. It helped me understand. Well, what, what, in the chat in the introduction, I'm talking about. Well, how do I how do I deal with this? What what did I, what did, what did I talk to myself about when I was in the jail? And, and one of the mm. things I talked about is every time you have a problem, is the 
solution is always repent and believe the gospel. Right. And now, and then in the chapter, I talk about how you know we tend to think that that's a once in a lifetime thing that we repent, we believe the gospel, and then while we might admit that we still continue to sin from time to time, we tend to think of our sins after our conversion as a small thing. Yeah. So Jesus died for our past sins. Maybe they were spectacular. Maybe they weren't. Maybe we were, you know, on Skid Row and God rescued us. But after that happened, after we get saved and we're in, in, indwelt by the Holy Spirit, and we are, that's true, and we're regenerated and we're growing in grace and godliness, and we think that that means that the only sins we have left are, are kind of little ones and small ones. And I said, you know, the reason we think this is because we're completely ignorant of our Bible. Yeah. You can't uh, turn the page in a Bible and not find some believer doing something pretty spectacularly bad. Right. I mean, you know, if you go through uh, Hebrews 11 and the, and the Hall of Faith, there's uh, Abraham, there's Noah, there's just, you know, guy after guy after guy after guy who had spectacular sins after they came to faith. And yet that, that's what we are. And the irony is, you know, the whole point of the gospel is that we have forgiveness in Christ, Christ. that our Father loves us because Jesus died for our sins. And so, uh, you know, there's no winking about that. There's like, holy cow, yeah, I am terrible, and Jesus yeah. died for me. I am terrible, and my Father in heaven still loves me. Not just still loves me, but loves me as much as he loves his son. Right. I mean, it really helps the gospel uh, live, uh, you know, in a, in a genuine and emotive way when you have this kind of uh, hardship. But what it also does, and, and this is not a surprise, but when you when you read through the gospel accounts, it's one of the things that Jesus keeps emphasizing over and over and over and over again is what our forgiveness should do for how we treat others. Hmm. Whether it's, a, whether it's the parable of the unjust steward, whether it's uh, the parable of the prodigal son, whether it's the publican and the sinner at the, at the uh, temple, all of these things are saying, hey, look, if you recognize that you're a sinner, then that's going to make you, uh, help you be more gracious, help you be more kind, help right. you be more forgiving. That's going to help you to build up people who are beaten down. You know, I, when, when, when Jesus says to Peter, before Peter said, when you return, he says, you're going to betray me. Peter's like, no, not me. I'm going to go to my death. I mean, Peter's just so boastful. Peter's just like uh, a reformed person like me. It's, oh, not me. Other yeah. people might be, but not me. And, of course, uh, he denies Jesus three times, the rooster crows. And then after the resurrection, uh, oh, I'm sorry, before, the, before all of this happens, Jesus says, when you return, strength and mm. breath. Now, that is a message that says to me, R.C., you need to steward your failures. You need to, you need to turn, again, we don't sin all the more, the grace might abound. Right. But you need to proclaim the glory of God. I, I you know, another controversy, honestly, is that I chose to have uh, Tully and Chavidian write my forward. Right. And he's been a guest on this and, podcast uh, as well. Oh, good. Well, he, he's a good man, and, and he's, but he's also right. uh, got a lot of enemies in our world. Yep. Uh, and a lot, a lot of people who, you know, are 
upset about the reality of his scandals, and they are real. But, you know, here's the thing. He talks about them. <laughs> He's yeah. not denying them. He's not trying to hide from them. And he talked about in the forum, which is just so powerful. I mean, right. I am telling you, Kevin, when, when I made that decision, let's ask Tully to, to do this. My wife and I talked it up, and we decided, let's have him see if he'll write this forward for us. And he agrees to write it. And I thought, oh, it's going to be good. But I got it, and it was like, ah. Oh. I mean, I just wept yeah. reading it. And then I read it to my wife, and she wept reading it. And I, I told several people, it may be the best thing about the book, this forward. So, you know, I have no apologies for choosing him for doing this. Um, he just did an outstanding job. And, uh, you know, <laughs> he's in the same boat. I want to steward my faith. Oh, I, what I wanted to say was, he, he breaks down Psalm 51, that, that, yeah. that great psalm of penitence of David after Bathsheba and Uriah, and of course there's another example of a great believer committing incredibly grievous sin after conversion. But one of the things in Psalm 51 is at the end, of course, when David says, you know, I, I need you to restore the joy of my salvation, and when you do, I will praise you, and I will tell sinners about you, and I will... I, you know, I'm going to tell the steward story. That's stewarding uh, our failures. Yeah. I want everybody to, I mean, I want to go out to the whole watching world and say to everybody who has sinned just as badly as I did, but whose sin is not covered by the news, yeah. and who has to bear it by themselves and say to them, hey, Jesus died for you just like he died for me. Right. Uh, those sins are covered. Your sins are covered just like my sins are covered. Yeah. We are to rejoice and to believe the gospel. So I'm I'm excited about that. Again, not saying I should sin all the more that grace might abound. Right. Uh, and I, although I, I'll, I'll say this too, Kevin. I, I one of the things that's very hard for Christians to grasp is one: if they know who you are, they think they have a vested interest that they almost like they own stock in you. Mm -hmm. And they don't believe and won't embrace your repentance. This would be true for Tolian as well. They won't believe your repentance unless you do it to them, in front of them, when they're ready to hear it. You know, I'm not ashamed of myself anymore. I sinned. I sinned grievously. Yeah. But Jesus died for me, and right. I dealt with that two and a half years ago. Right. I was out of the public eye. No one I'm not talking about. I, you know, I don't get to go on Oprah and have a, a confessional moment. But I don't need to. I confessed to my elders I, in my local church, you know, and I received an admonition and I received forgiveness from them. And that was it. That's the end of it. Hmm. Um, so, again, I, I want people to have a more full understanding of the gospel. Right. And that is so much a part of what drove me as I wrote this book because my father got that. Yeah. He got it in spades. He lived that in front of me and he lived that for me all of his life. And, you know, that's the reason why I wanted you to have on the, on the podcast because people need to hear this message. Because the reality is, uh, yourself and Tullian, you guys aren't the anomaly in, within the church. Right. Um, there are so many more, but it's just not public. And oftentimes right. our, our churches, under the guise of sound theology, push this under the rug, and so people won't come forward 
and talk about this. And people won't get the help that they need and they won't receive that forgiveness and they won't be able to embrace the gospel to its fullest extent as long as they feel like, I, I, I just can't talk about this because my reputation is going to be ruined. Yep. Instead. And, and I won't be forgiven. Yeah. You know, I, I, I mentioned in that, for, or in my introduction, I said, you know, the only person who matters has irrevocably and completely forgiven me. Right. And so here's the thing. You know, people can screech, people can yell. I, you know, I, I happen to uh, see, just like you got in your conversation uh, with your coworker, I happen to see on the Internet people, you know, talking about what a bad guy I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are professing believers. These are people who, you know, some of them are old friends. And I just can't, I think... I don't care. I mentioned to you on the podcast. There's a red, there's a, a a rumor out there that um, that I am pulling a Frankie Schaefer with this book. Mm-hmm. That this book is somehow dishonoring to my father. And there's not a lick of truth to it. Not not a not one word. I mean, it's everything in this book yeah. is written to honor my father. Well, and but, but again, people will say what they want to say, and it's okay because. I don't have to win their approval. I, I can't. I won't. I'll fail. That as long as they're able to, they're going to point out my sins to me. But my heavenly Father's forgotten them, and that's what matters. Right. And again, the the title of the book we're talking about is "Growing Up with RC." It's going to be available on uh, as this podcast here is available this Wednesday. It's Mar- uh, May fourteenth, and you can pre-order that at Amazon, and we'll have a link to that. And we want you to buy the book. This is. One of the greatest regrets I have in my life is that I never actually got to meet your your father. I had the chance once, but I didn't know who he was at the time. <laughs> um, and so I turned it down. And so some of my friends, he was speaking at uh, Gordon Conwell in Massachusetts. and uh, But they brought me home this book, a signed copy of The Holiness of God. And uh, I remember thinking, oh, well, cool. I threw it on my bookshelf and... Uh, it wasn't until, and you mentioned this in the book, it wasn't until I actually read Chosen by God, um, uh-huh. because I'd heard the name before, R.C. Sproul, I picked that up and like, boom, that's what got me into the Reformed faith. And I went back and read, uh, yeah. now pretty much everything is written. Uh, well, that's a lot of books. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, how long ago was that, Kevin? When I, you know, I don't remember him being, I remember him going to Gordon Conwell regularly when I was young, but it's been a while. This would have been the late 1990s. Okay. Somewhere around probably 95, 96, 97, somewhere within that that time frame. Okay. Alright. So it's been a little while. (laughs) Um, Now I feel old saying that, but oh well. Well, RC, before we go, tell us a little bit about uh, what you're doing now, because, uh, like, for example, Monday nights uh, on, on Facebook Live, um, tell us what you're doing there. Well, I'm doing a husband of Bible study here in our home with the uh, small group for our the church that we're members at, uh, but we also do put it on the Internet on Facebook Live. I'm, I'm closing up. I've got about three more weeks of this series that I call The Heart of the Gospel, and the the function of this series or the goal of this particular series is to talk about uh, how the gospel influences our relationships, 
how we have peace in our own hearts, how we have peace with one another, how we have peace with God, about what was God's heart motivation in all of these things. Uh, like the first uh, study in this series I actually called The Mind of the Gospel, I talked about all the care and the precision and the right way of understanding justification by faith alone and, and penal substitutionary atonement and expiation and propitiation and, and double imputation and all of those key things. But I talked about how, again, okay, just like this issue of, of the understanding our sin, uh, we suffer from what I uh, crudely call theological constipation, where we have all these right ideas in our heads, but they really don't affect our hearts. Mm. And what I want to see happen is I, I want that, that glorious biblical truth, whether it's the sovereignty of God, whether it's uh, justification by faith alone, whether it's the doctrine of adoption. I want these things to get into our hearts mm. and, and change how we feel. And so that, that's, again, the goal of this particular series. This past Monday, uh, we talked about, um, oh, what did we talk about? Oh, uh, the promise of God that we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. This coming Monday, we're going to be talking about uh, the, the return of Christ and what that means is the, the assurance of the fullness of the victory of Christ over all things. And so I, it's just a really great blessing for me to be able to, to talk about the gospel and to be able to talk about uh, its breadth and its power and its scope. And so I, I really enjoy it. Now, and did I hear that you're, you're working on developing a, a podcast? trying to re recover my, my old podcast which is called Jesus mm. Changes Everything and you know that's a conviction that I've had I, I uh, you know without the infrastructure that I used to have and so trying to figure out how to construct this and how to get it out there and uh, not having all the resources I once had is a little bit difficult but I, I yeah. still know how to talk into a microphone yeah. but I know that was a great podcast it's pretty short and uh, covering yep. not just current events from a you're not doing an Al Mohler in the briefing type thing, but you're really using current events to point to the greater reality of Scripture. Exactly right. Yeah, I, I used to look at it as it, the briefing inside out. Instead <laughs> of asking the question, what does the Bible have to say about this political issue? I wanted instead to say, what, you know, what does this cultural issue show us about the truthfulness of yeah. Scripture? So, and so the other way around from what Al, Al does. Now, one of the other differences that you have now, um, you're going to be competing with the Basic Bible Podcast. Do you, do you feel like you're ready for that? <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> we shall see. All right. Well, thanks, R.C., for, for joining us here today. And uh, we'll have a link to your blog as well on our website. And again, the book is Growing Up with R.C. And like I said, I, I didn't get a chance to meet uh, Dr. Sproul when he was here on this earth, but I feel like I, I got kind of a a little invitation or a little peek into the life. Gotten to know him just a little bit through this book. And so, R.C., thank you for, for this, and thank you for being on the podcast. My pleasure, Kevin. I appreciate it. I want to thank all of you for listening. And next week, I promise we are actually going to get back to our series on the Ten Commandments. We're, we're in Commandment 3, and you know we've, we've had a couple of break here with all these different books, but I wanted to get these books out there. And again, these were books were, that were all sent free to me, and so if you want to send me a free book, we will talk about it on the podcast anyway. Um, have a great week, and uh, don't forget our website, www.basicbiblepodcast.org.